0: Companies ...forced miners to sign Yellow Dog contracts that bound them never to join a union. On May 19th, Baldwin-Feltz agents arrived in Matewan to evict miners and their families from Stone Mountain Coal Company housing. It was a normal day on the job for the agents. The detective agency, founded in the 1890s, provided law enforcement contractors for railroad yards and other industrial corporations. It also did the brunt of the work suppressing unionization in coal mining towns— and today, the Baldwin-Felts men were there to kick out men who had joined the UMWA. That same day, the town of Matewan was teeming with a number of unemployed miners who came to receive a few dollars, sacks of flour, and other foodstuffs from the union to prevent their families from starving. Whether the men also came in anticipation of taking action against the Baldwin-Felts agents is a matter of debate. Either way, the visiting miners had the rare support of pro-union Matewan police chief Sid Hatfield and the town's mayor, Cabell Testerman. According to one version of the story, the Baldwin Feltz agents tried to arrest Hatfield when he attempted to prevent the evictions from taking place. When the mayor defended Hatfield from the arrest, he was shot and more bullets began to fly. In another version of the story, Hatfield initiated the violence, either by giving a signal to armed miners stationed around the town or by firing the first shot himself. For Bailey, the latter seems the more likely scenario, because the agents would have known they were outnumbered, and if Union Miners and Hatfield did initiate the violence, the story of Matewan is darker than a simple underdog tale. I call it elevation through denigration, she says, noting that the Union benefited from the moral high ground as victims, regardless of whether they instigated the violence. But for Terry Steele, a former coal miner in West Virginia and member of the local UMWA, revolting was the only way to respond to abuse. He says local wisdom had it that if you got a mule killed in the mines and you were in charge, you could lose your job over it. If you got a man killed, he could be replaced." What made the situation worse, according to Wilma Steele, a founding member of the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum, was the contempt outsiders had for miners in the region. Locals had a reputation for being violent and unreasonable. It set the stereotype that they were used to feuding, and they were people who don't care about anything but a gun and a bottle of liquor, says Steele. That was propaganda, but these people were being abused. Although Police Chief Hatfield was celebrated as a hero by the mining community after the shootout and even starred in a movie for the UMWA, he was a villain to T.L. Feltz, a Baldwin Feltz partner who lost two brothers to the massacre. When Hatfield was acquitted in a local trial by jury, Feltz brought a conspiracy charge against him, forcing the police chief to appear in court once more on the stairway of the courthouse in august nineteen twenty one hatfield and his deputy ed chambers were gunned down by baldwin felt's agents in response to the assassination an army of miners ten thousand strong began a full-on assault against the coal company and the mine guards while miners shot at their opponents private planes organized by the coal company's defensive militia dropped bleach and shrapnel bombs on the union's headquarters The battle only stopped when federal troops arrived on the order of President Warren Harding. The entire event was covered rapidly by the national press, says Chatham University historian Lewis Martin, who is also a founding member of the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum. National papers sold a lot of copies by portraying the area as a lawless land where the mountaineers were inherently violent, Martin says. This was a romanticized version of events, creating an Old West-type image of Appalachia. This obviously didn't lead to widespread public support for the miners in their struggles. When the conflict concluded, hundreds of miners were indicted for murder, and more than a dozen were charged with treason. Although all but one were acquitted of treason charges, others were found guilty of murder and spent years in prison. Even worse, the UMWA experienced a significant decline in membership throughout the 1920s and in 1924, the UMWA district that included Matewan lost its local autonomy because of the incident. As the years progressed, the Union distanced itself even further from the Matewan massacre. For Bailey, it's easy to see this story in terms of good and evil, and that ignores the nuance of the story. When we essentialize a narrative into heroes and villains, we run the risk of invalidating human pain and agency, Bailey says. The Baldwin Feltz agents were professional men. They believed they were fighting the onslaught of communism. Their opponents were fighting for a fair and living wage, an appropriate share of the benefits of their labor. This fight between collectivism and individualism, the right of the workers and the rights of the owner, have been part of America since the country's founding, Bailey says. And even today that battle rages on, perhaps not with bullets.